This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Comp reporting that it was a Democrat mic drop at the first confirmation hearing for Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Latipo. Mr. Chair. Leader Book, you're recognized for questions? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Not for a question, for a statement. Okay. Um, quite frankly, we have a, an extreme amount of respect for this process, you, Mr. Chair, and the Senate. However, we don't feel that we're getting any answers met, and we know that there is a long agenda today with a lot of bills. And so um, the Florida Senate Democrats are go- in this committee now are going to abstain, walk out, and come back when we have more business to, to, to attend it. That's Senate Democratic Leader Lauren Book turning off her mic and walking out of the Senate Health Policy Committee confirmation hearing for Latipo. The rest of the Democrats on the committee followed after being frustrated with the answers they were getting from the Surgeon General. In particular, they were frustrated when the state's top doctor was quizzed about the COVID-19 pandemic. Again and again and again, Representative Book asked the same question. Do you believe vaccines work? You're recognized for a series of answers. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. I consider vaccines in the same way that I consider other medical therapies. What we care about clinically is whether they are safe and effective. And that is the lens through which I evaluate all medical therapies. Do you believe that vaccines in fighting against a pandemic like COVID-19 are effective? Yeah, thank you for your question, Senator. So, again, I would I would say that that the um, the question is a scientific one, and it's one that is answered with data. So, um, so the uh, the the question the question is informed by um, data on you know on specific outcomes and specific specific therapies. So that's I, that's the uh, that's the scientific question. Mr. Chair, uh, just a couple more follow-ups. Nice. Just a yes or no. Do vaccines work in fighting against COVID-19? Yes or no? You recognize. Okay. Senator, um, I just, I, 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 as a scientist, you know, I, 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 I am compelled to answer the scientific question. And I'd be happy to answer any specific scientific question that you have uh, related to vaccines and COVID-19. Scientifically, do vaccines, does the, do the vaccines work against preventing COVID-19? Yes or no? Okay. Recognized. Okay. Well, thank you again, Senator. So, you know, it, it, yes or no questions are, are not that, uh, that easy to find in science. Um, so, I will. I understand. I think I, I have better clarity about your your question at this point. So what I would say is that the most commonly used vaccines in the United States, which would be the the um, the Pfizer product and the product that was was developed by Moderna, um, have been shown to have. Um, relatively high effectiveness for the prevention of hospitalization and death, and over time, relatively low, pro- low protection from infection. <clears throat> we get two buttons to push here, Dr. Ladapo. Yes or no? Do vaccines work in preventing COVID-19? Yes or no? Thank you, Senator. So again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm married to data. Uh, 
So again, the data indicate that the, um, the most commonly used vaccines for COVID-19 in the United States are, um, have reasonable effectiveness for prevention of hospitalization and death. Although even, although that is, is something that the estimate of that changes over time. There's a, there's a reduction in that effectiveness over time. And they have, over time, relatively low effectiveness for prevention of infection. Book was frustrated again when she repeatedly asked about an incident involving Latipo and State Senator Tina Polsky. In October, Latipo showed up at Polsky's office for an appointment and was asked multiple times to put a mask on because the senator had a serious medical condition. We later learned it was breast cancer. Latipo refused, and Polsky asked him to leave. I am asking a very simple question. You disrespected a member of this Senate and the Senate as a whole. And I am asking you, do you regret the way that you treated our colleague? I understand goals, all of the words. I get it. It's a yes or a no because she expressed her concern. She shared that she had a very serious medical condition. You refused to wear a mask. I am asking, do you regret the way that you treated our colleague? Yes or no? You're recognized. Thank you, Senator. I, I completely appreciate that you are you are um, stating a scenario that uh, that you uh, view as a yes or no scenario, and, and I will respond that um, that that I, I believe that it is very important to respect people's preferences. I will also add. That um, and I think that's that's a that's a mutual thing, and I think that that is a that's a that's an area that we've fallen short of during the pandemic. And I will also add that I I am highly respectful of people. I mean, I, I really aim and try to be respectful of of all people. And you know, as a as a physician who's taking care of patients who are in the hospital for lots of different reasons and with many different backgrounds, it's 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 it it really is about. Um, my own personal values, uh, that's where my, my respect for, for individuals, all individuals, comes from. And it's, it's immutable. Mid-hearing, even the committee chair, Republican Manny Diaz, could feel the tensions rising as Democrat Janet Cruz was questioning Latipo. With all due respect, chair, it would be nice, but his answers are mired in words upon words upon words upon that. nonsense upon nonsense but, I, but I'm going to give nonsense. you the opportunity to make sure you ask that other question so okay, we're, we're not going to cut off your questions but let's let him answer could up that all, and you can move to the other one Mr. Chair could we ask him to shorten his answers to uh, concise okay, answers we can do that. thank you if you would try to to try to be more concise just to try to be respectful of the questions because we are trying to Make sure that we have ample time for questions from senators and then time for debate. So mm-hmm. if you would help us with that. Thank, Thank you, Chair. I'll do my best. As a, I, I, I really am not pretending here. As a scientist, it's very important to me to be precise with the words that I choose. Understood. So that's, that's why I... Understood. I just want to make sure that we don't raise the level of frustration because we want to try to move from one question to another. So I want to make sure that you have ample time to answer and that if there's a follow-up question, we can give you the opportunity. But later, Democrat Chevron Jones felt he was running into the same word wall. Why are we not reporting on our dashboard, the Department of Health, why we have we stopped reporting COVID numbers on the dashboard? You're recognized. Thank you, Senator. 
Our approach to reporting has been to report in a manner and at a frequency and at a level of detail that informs public health, um, informs the public, but and also allows us to to um, to um, to the dashboard, Dr. Lagapo, the dashboard. Why have we stopped <laughs> posting the dashboard on the Department of Health site? Again, so my answer to that is that the goal of our reporting has been to imp- inform the public, but also to um, to obtain enough data so that we can we can follow through with our missions in the Department of Health. And that's informed our strategy. I don't have any more questions, Jim. In fact, all the Democrats had no more questions. Leader Book took them out of the committee room. We don't feel that we're getting any answers met, and we know that there is a long agenda today with a lot of bills. And so um, the Florida Senate Democrats are go- in this committee now are going to abstain, walk out. And they did. There was a Republican motion to vote. It was seconded. And, well, no surprise how the vote turned out. By your vote, show that the confirmation of Dr. Joseph Latipo is recommended favorably. Thank, Thank you very much. The Capitol Press Corps caught up with the Surgeon General outside the hearing room. What is your reaction to the Democrats walking out? I certainly wish them well. Um, I have no ill will toward them, and I hope that we can work together on issues of public health relevance to Floridians. Do you feel like you adequately answered their questions? I, my goal was to accurately answer their questions, and I think I fulfilled that goal. Did you regret not taking your mask off in uh, Senator Polsky's office? Thank you for your question. I think that one was posed earlier. I might be wrong. I'm not sure. But I think that was posed earlier, so I'll just refer you to my my responses earlier. Well, I think you were pretty clear in your response that uh, you wanted to be respected as well, if that's what I heard. Is that correct? I think everyone should be respected. Dr. Wadapo, to what extent are you concerned that uh, your answer on vaccination um, declined to answer directly whether it would help prevent coronavirus uh, the, the worst effects of the coronavirus when statistics show that they're so much better at preventing hospitalizations and death will motivate people to not get the vaccine. And, and also your other stance is that we should respect people's difference of opinion to not uh, get, the, uh, get the vaccine when hospitals are being overrun across the country with the virus. Um, I don't remember saying that in, in, the, in the hearing. I think I specifically stated that they reduce the risk of hospitalization and death from COVID-19. And I stated some other things uh, related to it. I don't think the, the objective of public health is coercion. I think it's education and I think it's to allow people to make choices so they don't feel coerced. Do you feel like COVID is under control in the state of Florida? Yeah. Um, so I think that COVID-19 is a chronic and likely endemic virus that we're going to have to deal with. And the objective should be to ensure that Floridians um, are, um, are, are as healthy as possible. Keep in mind that Latipo was confirmed only by the Senate Health Policy Committee. Eventually, the full Senate will be asked to vote on his appointment as Surgeon General and head of the Florida Department of Health. Marching through the 2022 legislative session right now are bills to require schools to publish all materials taught or available in public schools so parents can raise objections if they feel the need. The individual freedom bill that takes aim at critical race theory and gender and sexual orientation issues and a bill to allow medical and insurance providers to refuse service to people based on their religious or moral beliefs. They've all got the attention of the state's LGBTQ community. 
Sunrise talked with the press secretary for Equality Florida, Brandon Wolf. It seems like there's a large scattershot of terrible bills that are all moving at the same time, but they are, in fact, very in concert with one another. And I say that because all of these bills that we're watching move through the legislature very quickly are part of a what we're calling surveillance state agenda from the governor. Governor DeSantis really wants to be president in 2024. And in order to get there, he has essentially whipped up a right-wing frenzy to beat Donald Trump to the far right of his base and charge people up to turn out for him in 2022 and propel him toward the top of the ticket in 2024. And the impact that's having is that it's giving the DeSantis administration license to police us in every aspect of our lives, license to police us in our classrooms, in our doctor's offices, in our workplaces, in how we choose to use our own bodies. Um, All of those things are designed to whip up fervor on the right, to outrace Donald Trump, to that wing of his party and propel himself toward a presidential nomination in 2024. It's really quite shameless. And, you know, I just, I also want to underscore that the disparate impacts of these bills are on people who desperately need us right now. We're talking about trans young people who face depression, bullying, suicidality at a far higher rate than their peers. People like that need us to affirm them and celebrate them, not to use them as political pawns. So you basically... I think, if I was counting correctly, named off four different sectors. You mentioned schools, so I'm assuming you're talking about the Senate bill that would give, I guess, parents license to say that book or that thing shouldn't be taught in my school, including issues dealing with the LGBTQ community. Right. That's one of the bills. Uh, Another of the bills is, I hate to use their terminology, but it's the Stop Woke Act in the House, uh, the Individual Freedom Bill uh, that, that polices how we talk about our country's history with race, the root causes of injustice and discrimination um, that impacts our school, uh, our schools and classrooms as well. And also, I think you must have been referring to the uh, 15 week uh, abortion bill in terms of our bodies. And you also, right. and there's also a bill in there, the, the medical conscience bill that is a Senate bill that would allow medical providers to not provide services based on a question of conscience for themselves. Yeah, that bill is really appalling. And we watched it sail through committee this week. Um, I say it's appalling because it gives a broad license for healthcare providers and, by the way, insurance companies to discriminate against people based on who they are. The bill sponsor was asked in the hearing whether or not a healthcare provider could refuse to care for someone living with HIV uh, because they believe that someone's HIV status is divine retribution. And his answer essentially was yes, it does give that healthcare provider the right to discriminate against them, they should just go and find some other doctor. And that becomes extremely complicated when you're talking about health insurance companies. I don't think any of us would fool ourselves to believe that health insurance companies have morals and ethics, but they certainly are always looking for extra excuses to refuse to pay for your health care. And this just gives them a broad license to say that anything under the sun is morally objectionable to them and they refuse to pay for it. Do you, Brandon, believe that all of these measures will get through the state legislature this session? 
Well, I sure hope not. Uh, it is a very dangerous slate of legislation, and if all of them passed, we would see Floridians' freedoms curbed uh, in almost every aspect of their lives. But you know, you can tell what the priorities of the governor are. You can tell what the priorities of uh, you know leaders in the legislature are based on how quickly these things are moving. And we've seen a lot of these bills being removed from third committees and fast-tracked through things. Um, and and it is, it's disturbing because, as I said, they are designed to curb Floridians' freedoms in every aspect of life. So to see them flying through uh, limiting public commentary and debate uh, is, is really disheartening and quite disturbing. A lot of those times they're saying they're restricting the debate because they've run out of time because the debate among the legislators chewed it all up. So you got 30 seconds to say something. I've watched any number of these hearings. Um, A little frustrating for the general public in terms of making a comment. So let's assume everything gets through. Then what for Equality Florida? What, what, What impact does this have on your community? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I want people to know that I don't I'm, I'm not looking beyond the finish line. We have to do everything in our power to fight to make sure that LGBTQ voices are heard, that our freedoms are protected. Um, I think we have some avenues here. Republicans in some of these committees, specifically around the Don't Say Gay bill, um, express concerns about the bill. They express concerns about how it would impact their communities. We need those concerns to turn into action. We need them to start resisting the movement of the bill or proposing amendments that would begin to take some of these harmful pieces out of it. Um, So I I just want to make that clear up front that we've got to do everything we can and we cannot take for granted that every one of these bills has to sail over the finish line. But, you know, if things do get over the finish line, go to the governor's desk Uh, he puts pen to paper, then we have to use every avenue we can to protect people. We've got to make sure that we safeguard local protections that we've fought really hard for in municipalities across the state. We've got to look into, you know, potential legal action if we've got to do that, if we've got to join on a case on something, we've got to push for vetoes. And then we have to hold people accountable at the ballot box. In 2022, we cannot allow people who once called themselves allies of the LGBTQ community then turned their backs on us when it was politically expedient to get off without accountability. It's our job to hold them accountable at the ballot box. What has changed? I'm just sitting here thinking it's been how many years since the Supreme Court upheld the right uh, for uh, gay people to be husband and wife, a gay marriage. Uh, it has not been that long ago that that happened. What what changed? Well, you know, first of all, I, I think um, I think we have to be careful as a movement, uh, as careful as people who believe in equality, uh, that we don't fall asleep at the wheel on these things. The truth is that the powers that oppose equality, people who are homophobic, transphobic, people who are bigoted, racist, it's not as if they go home after the Supreme Court rules on something like that, say good game and move on to their next battle. They go back to the war room and they decide how they're going to chip away at these protections that LGBTQ people have have fought for and won. Uh, and that's been happening all along. Keep in mind 
that on the Florida roll still today, Florida statute still says that marriage is between one man and one woman. There's a Supreme Court case that that overruled that, that allows us to marry the people we love. Um, but if Florida law would have it without the Supreme Court's case, without our, our own court's cases, uh, LGBTQ people in the state would not have the right to marry. So we have a lot of work to do to move the law to meet us where we are in 2022. And if anybody thinks that because we won a Supreme Court case in 2015 or because we won another one in 2020 that the work is done, um, these legislative sessions should serve as a rude awakening. Brandon Wolf with Equality Florida. I appreciate the time. Thanks. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks, Craig. Here's some of what's happening in Florida politics today. The Florida Senate is scheduled to hold a floor session at 2.30 this afternoon. The Senate Appropriations Committee meets at 11.30 this morning. Senate Finance and Tax Committee, it meets this morning, as does the Senate Rules Committee. The House Infrastructure and Tourism Appropriations Subcommittee meets this morning. The House Rules Committee meets today, so does the House Public Integrity and Elections Committee. The Revenue Estimating Conference will analyze monthly revenue estimates this morning. The Florida Transportation Commission is scheduled to meet at 10. The Florida Supreme Court will release weekly opinions at 11. The Florida Department of Transportation will hold a meeting in Duval County to discuss a project to improve Interstate 295 from the Southside Connector to J. Turner Butler Boulevard. And it'll be holding a meeting in Hillsborough County to talk about projects to improve Interstate 75 in the Tampa Bay region. And finally, while Democrats this session are doing a lot of talking about marijuana legalization, Florida's governor is not smelling what the Dems are cooking. When asked at a Tallahassee campaign event about pot legalization, Governor Ron DeSantis described the smell of marijuana as putrid. He told reporters, what I don't like about it is when you go to some of these places that have done it, the stench when you're out there, I mean, it smells so putrid. DeSantis said promises by Democratic gubernatorial candidates to legalize marijuana are dishonest. He says it requires the cooperation of the legislature. A governor, DeSantis pointed out, can't just do that. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Kopp. Join us again tomorrow as we do another daily dive into Florida politics. 